Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Hello, thank you so much for joining with us on our chat today. Dr. Virginia, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Dr. Val? I'm hanging in there. (laughs) We have had just all sorts of medical issues going on in our family. My mom literally, my mom is 91 and she literally stood up and tore her meniscus Mm -hmm. in her right knee. And so we have been working with the options and things that we're trying to decide about that. And then my husband found out today he has a fracture in his right foot (laughs) from getting on a roller coaster a little too excitedly. So (laughs) he is on his way home from a theme park right now. And (laughs) we'll be looking at wearing a boot for a while. So we had a lot of medical fun in our home. How is all of your family doing? How are you recovering from your appendectomy? Just fine. Just fine. Yeah. It's like, you know, like it never happened. Like I never had an appendix. (laughs) Doing good. Thank you. So if we can get past all of our medical emergencies so that we can mm-hmm. focus on children's ministry. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's been a little crazy for both of us, but we are very excited to be talking with you today a little bit about how to have a successful classroom experience. If you teach in a Sunday school setting or a Wednesday evening setting or Sunday night, or just any time during the week when you're working with children in a classroom, we just wanted to give you a few suggestions of things that we have found that helps us be more successful in being able to focus on the lesson and what the kids are learning. Mm -hmm. And it really just helps us to be able to make the main thing the main thing and not have to stress about a lot of other little details that are going on. So we just wanted to share that with you today. Um, Dr. Virginia, why don't you talk a little bit about why it's important to be the first person in the room? Oh, yes, yes. Well, and, and, I heard this from you several years ago um, that, you know, whoever's in the room first gets to set the tone for the rest of the time. And so, you know, if there are kids in there before you and they're running wild, then it's going to be a lot harder to draw them back in and get them refocused and to stay calm. So whenever you're the first one in the room, you get to set that tone um, Mm -hmm. and, and maintain control of the atmosphere for the rest of the time. Right. And you know, if you are actually the second person to come into the classroom, I've had teachers ask me when we've had these conversations before where they've said, oh, that's great, but I am a second hour teacher. Mm -hmm. And so when I walk into the classroom, it's already chaos. (laughs) What can I do to, to take care of that? And so a lot of times what I'll suggest is go ahead and have the kids clean up. Mm-hmm. do a cleanup time where you put everything away, where you clean up the room, you get it all set up and then have some sort of a game or an activity that you are going to draw them in with at the very beginning. But that cleanup time kind of helps reset their brain mm-hmm. so that they feel like it's the beginning of a class time again. Yes. And it gives Something you new. control back. Like it, it, yes. it, it shifts the control of them 
being in this chaotic kind of classroom setting and it gives you the control back to be able to restart the class time. And so just do a cleanup song and have everybody clean up and have everybody kind of you know straighten up and put things yeah. away and then just jump into your activity. And kind of the flip side of that too is like I I always liked to not end with free play because mm -hmm. I think we probably talked about this before because yes. one that's not always the best impression that you're giving to parents at pickup right. or if it's like in between the first hour and the second hour you know as new people are dropping off and it's chaos right. so I always try to have some sort of specific activity whether it's an activity page with their coloring or doing play-doh something to where mm -hmm they're doing something specific, not just right. beyond right. free play. So, Well, and it's really great what the, the activities that you mentioned, because when you have that end of the class time activity, you want something that kids can walk away from and it not disrupt the entire class. Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing some sort of a game that requires a certain number of people right. and you're having people picked up and then you're having kids come in trying to jump into that game, it can be a little confusing. And so mm -hmm. it is nice mm -hmm. to have those quieter activities to mm -hmm. be the pickup activities. That's when you use the coloring sheets, the Play-Doh, those kinds yep. of things that are a little quieter mm -hmm. so that that way it's easy for people to drop in and drop out as they're yes. handling that transition. So that's, yes. that's a good thing. It's a good yeah. thing. But I do find that a lot of teachers, especially if they aren't very prepared or if they aren't very experienced, free play is typically what ends up ending the classroom. So having that end of the time activity is super, super important. Yes. And I think that leads us really well into our second one, because our second one is being prepared with your activities. Mm. Yes. We, we, we've <laughs> talked about before, when you have the classroom set up for your class time, when you have all of your activities ready, you have all of the, the materials prepared, you have everything set up in the classroom for what you're during, doing for that entire hour, then that gives you more control over the classroom, but it also gives you the opportunity to really focus on the children as they come into the classroom, as you greet them, as they get started, because if you're kind of running around and you're going, oh, wait, I need to run down to the supply room to grab more construction paper or, oh, wait, I need to go, you know, pick up some balls out of the supply room and I'll be right back. That's going to give downtime for the children that are already in the classroom. And if they have downtime, the children are going to find a way to fill that downtime. Yes, yes. And it's not always going to be the most constructive activity <laughs> that they can come up with yes, to fill that yes, time. Yes. So as much as possible, if you can have your material set out and everything ready so that when the children come in, you are ready to hit the ground running with that very first activity that you have for them. And that just really will make that transition so much smoother. I used to even, I had some teachers that they surfed during the 815 service. And mm -hmm. so coming in early was really hard for them. So I had some teachers that would come in Saturday afternoon or Saturday evening. They just let me know and I would let them in. They would take 10, 15 minutes to set their classroom up and then they would leave. And then that way on Sunday morning, they were ready to walk right in and everything was mm. set up. And so finding ways that work for your schedule and for your teacher's schedules to be able to help mm. them be set up and prepared so that they're not scrambling 
-hmm. as classes beginning to try to find all their materials, that's huge, huge. Mm -hmm. Dr. Virginia, do you find that having extra activities are helpful? (laughs) Oh, of course, of course, because (laughs) you never know when one's going to be a flop. You never know whenever there's going to be a sermon or a Sunday school class that runs really late. I mean, it's always good to have extra Mm -hmm. activities and extra things. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like you're replanning an extra activity every single week that's different. I mean, you can always just have like a little, I think we've talked about this before, have have a few at your fingertips in your bag, in your cabinet um, that you have available in case there is that extra time that you need to fill. Right. One of the things that I always provided for my teachers is we had a little bin that stayed in each classroom that was just set up with extra activities. It might have, you know, more random type of coloring sheets and crayons in it. It might have um, some of those little couche balls or Play-Doh or different things. And it had a little list of some game ideas and Mm -hmm. some activity ideas. I'm a real big believer in popsicle sticks with the books of the Bible on them. There are a million games you can play with popsicle sticks that have the books of the Mm -hmm. Bible written on them. And so those types of things that I would, you know, keep in a box in each classroom and the teachers knew that, that if they had that extra time, if something happened and something didn't go well, if something flopped, if there was something missing from an activity that they needed Mm -hmm. to do. And so they needed to fill in with something, they have those extra activities that they could just pull out really quickly. Super simple things, super simple games that helped review the Bible story. So they were all connected to either Bible skills or they mm-hmm. were very generic. So you could use review questions from the mm-hmm. Bible story or retell the Bible story, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of activities yes. that would be in that box so that they could kind of have those extra activities on hand. Mm-hmm. Because again, you never know what's going to happen from class yes. time to class time. And so, <laughs> yes, you know, yes. and so I think extra activities are a lifesaver if you yes. are struggling with a classroom, especially if you're struggling with keeping the kids focused, if you're having trouble making mm. sure that they can kind of stay on task. It's having those little things that are new for them or things that they love. Silent ball review was always a favorite of my kids. And so they never minded. I could have done that game with them every single week. We literally <laughs> just threw, like stood in a circle or stood around the room and threw the cush ball to, you know, and they had to answer a question and then they'd throw it to the next one. And then they'd answer a question and we would just do review. We could have played that every week and they were always very happy. Like that was just their favorite game ever. They're getting to throw a ball, of course. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's those kinds of things that really make a a huge difference. And so for me too, one of the things that has always helped me, and I don't know if this is just sort of a, a preschool background, you know, kind of activities that I'm so used to, but I love having a classroom set up in zones mm-hmm. or, or set up in, if you're familiar with the older preschool setups where we had centers. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It's, it's, it's that same yes. kind of idea, but mm-hmm. I always felt like that it really helped me to be able to sort of maintain classroom sanity Mm-hmm. If I had areas of the classroom where we did certain things, where we mm-hmm. had the area set up for group time mm-hmm. and where we had an area set up for the games and we had an area set up, especially for, I am a teacher who loves to paint. 
Yeah. And <laughs> a lot of usually don't. a lot of people don't. And I uh, understand why. Yeah. Because it can be super hard to paint, especially the younger the kids get, yes. the harder it is to paint yes. a painting so cool. zone, like an area that that's where all of the painting materials were mm -hmm. for us yes. to be able to do that activity. I made sure that that was, you know, near the water. It was, near, yes. you know, had the paper towel set up and the baby wipes set up and the paper plates mm -hmm. um, and had, you know, everything sort of set up for our painting activity, whatever that activity might be. And then always set it up so that we had two activities or three activities that were going on at the same time mm -hmm. so that I could just pull a couple of kids over mm -hmm. to paint at a time. Mm-hmm. So that mm -hmm. maybe I might have a, an area with books or puzzles, something mm -hmm. that was self-directing, mm -hmm. and then an area for my helper teacher to be able to be doing an activity with another group of kids. Mm -hmm. And then I would be doing the painting so that mm -hmm. that way, you know, we were just doing a couple of kids at a time. Right. It didn't get too out of hand. It didn't get too messy. You know, I was able to sort of reset between the groups of kids that came over. And according to the activity, sometimes I would get braver and it might be three or four kids at a time <laughs> as opposed to one or two. The age really matters yes. and the activity really yes. matters yes. as to how well yes. you can handle. But I, I painted with preschoolers a lot and I love yeah, it. Yeah, they and love so it. They, I mean, they enjoy yes. it. It is something that they very rarely ever get to do. Yes. And so being able to, maybe we'll do an episode sometime on how to paint with kids <laughs> because I love to do it so much and I have so uh -huh. many little tricks that I used and things that I used. You can let us know if that would be something that would be useful for you to hear about. Um, but the idea though, is that if you have these areas in the classroom that are set up for these activities and you have them set up ahead of time, but also if you have the space ready and in the space available, then it's going to make your class time more successful. If you have a way to rotate people around activities so that you can have mm -hmm. smaller groups so that you can have a little more one-on-one -on -one time with kids mm -hmm. when you're teaching a particular topic. Those mm -hmm. kind of things will really help make your classroom a lot more successful. They do take a little bit of planning, mm -hmm. but it's worth it in the long run for sure. Oh, and I think, and, and you talked about in the preschool setting, especially, um, I feel like centers or zones or whatever are, really, really versatile and people don't always necessarily think of them as that way. Mm -hmm. You know, just because you have a play kitchen doesn't mean that kids are just like pretending to cook every single week. Like you can mm -hmm. pull out this particular fruits and vegetables and things like related mm -hmm. to your Bible lesson. I right. mean, if you have, like I always um, would like to have a stockpile of little plastic animals mm -hmm. in preschool rooms because so many Bible stories have an animal involved or they're about right. an animal or it's a parable about a sheep. And so you can use those little plastic animals in a million mm -hmm. different ways, blocks, you know, of course kids love to build towers and knock them down and there's a right. million different ways that you can use blocks. And so, you know, those zones and those centers can be very, very versatile and very, very flexible. Mm -hmm. If you just learn to sort of think about them in that way, as you're planning your lesson. Right. Well, and a lot of teachers will, will say to me too, well, the kids automatically want to go to the kitchen center or they want to go to the block center and we're not doing that at that time. And I don't want, that's where really setting up your classroom ahead of time can help you. I had big plastic bins that I put all of the kitchen toys in. Yes. And so that way they could be put away. So they weren't mm -hmm. always in the kitchen so that yes. 
there weren't always things for the yes. kids to be playing with yes. in the kitchen yes. or the block shelves. I would literally turn them Flip to them face around. the wall mm-hmm. so that they didn't have access to the block. I was just say that's a and good that- point because that was um, a question that I saw recently in a Facebook group. They're like, well, how do you keep kids out of the centers? I said, well, you don't, right. you know, you don't, you don't leave the toys out. Like they're mm-hmm. always put away and you pull out the blocks when you need them. You pull out the animals when you need them, you pull out right. the food whenever you need it. And so, right. Right. So some things like you may not be able to put away the entire kitchen. No, um, no. And that's okay. And but some people you don't, don't have, have everything out. Right. Right. And some people don't even have cabinets that they can put things away in. And I would actually teach in classrooms that were set up for weekday classrooms. Yes. Yes. So that means because the state requires weekday classrooms to have certain numbers of items that are constantly out in the room which to me has always been very counterintuitive to things that we were supposed to be doing in the classroom, but they required a certain number of shelves, a certain number of toys, a certain number of kitchen items, you know, like they had those requirements and that there wasn't enough storage in the classroom. And so Mm -hmm. I had a lot of black sheets, Mm -hmm. just purchased black flat sheets. Mm -hmm. And I would just cover the bookshelves with the black Mm -hmm. sheets. Now, I will say this to make sure, because some people would say, well, wouldn't the kids still peek behind it? Or It's more of an out of sight, out of mind, mm-hmm. if you have other activities ready for them to do. Yes, yes. So if you're just asking them to come into the room and just sit quietly while <laughs> you're gonna doing work. something, then no, <laughs> they're going to lift the sheet up and look, because they're going to know that's where the blocks are. They're going to know. Yeah. But if you have an activity for them to do when they come into the mm-hmm. classroom, They're not automatically going to see the blocks and want to go to the blocks because they won't be able to see the blocks. Mm -hmm. Because they're looking at the Play-Doh that you already have mm -hmm. on the table. Right. Or the, you know, Mm -hmm. or the other activities. So Mm -hmm. it is an out of sight, out of mind, as long Mm -hmm. as you are focusing them on activities that you have prepared for them. And so, but if you just kind of bring them in and give them free play for the first 10 minutes, those sheets are going to be moved and they're going to find the blocks underneath. So it it all kind of comes with, because kids are kids and they're going to be kids and that's, Mm -hmm. you know, but those are some ways that will help you because they don't automatically walk in and see the blocks or see the food or see the books or, you know, whatever centers happen Mm -hmm. to be there. And we did a lot, we mentioned this already, but a lot of flipping around, like a lot Mm -hmm. of those sort of clear plastic drawers that would have toys and things in them just flipping Mm -hmm. towards the wall to where they can't mm-hmm. pull them open. Like right. you said, the little bookshelves flip them to the wall. So a right. lot of flipping around to mm-hmm. where, you know, yeah. Like said, it doesn't take that long. Mind. It doesn't take that long. And mm-hmm. um, we used to do that. I did that with the piano even one year I had I had the music room. <laughs> and so literally we would like rotate the piano to turn it and then cover it. So uh-huh, that, you know, uh-huh. because because it was just it automatically would draw the kids in and we were like trying to get them mm-hmm. to yeah, they just wanted mm-hmm. to play. Yeah. So it it really is it's it's children are children and, mm-hmm. and they're going to explore and they're going to find things and they're going to be easily distracted. And that doesn't have anything to say about your activities or how great you are at planning. Mm-hmm. It just, it's, it's just the nature of being a child. Yes. They're very inquisitive. They're very interested yes. in things. Yes. So anything that you can do to focus them mm-hmm. on what you're doing and take the focus away from anything that's distracting them, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, whether it's the block mm-hmm. center or whether it's a lot of toys from another group or, or even a piano, just finding those things that you can do to just recenter them back into what you want them to focus on. And so that's, that can make all the difference. And that's a good segue sort of into another thought about um, 
really being intentional on what we have in our classrooms, what we have on our walls. It's really easy for our spaces to get cluttered, for them to get visually cluttered whenever we Mm -hmm. have lots of posters up and the posters of the Bible stories from the last unit and all the verses we've ever Mm -hmm. memorized and, you know, being really intentional about visually, you know, what Mm -hmm. all we have going on. Um, you know, I always encourage teachers just to, to keep what you need, you know, have what you need maybe for this unit or for this lesson out. Um, but to really make sure that, that the, the items that you have in your room are supporting your lesson versus being cluttery or distracting or just too much. Right. Right. And I think, especially if you have school teachers that, serve in your ministry, Mm -hmm. they are very used to having a certain amount of things on the wall. We're used to having the big calendars and the big posters and the alphabet and Mm -hmm. all of those things. And we, we tend to want to make the room look like a classroom. Mm -hmm. And I understand all the educational reasons why the state requires a certain number of things on the wall for classrooms. I I understand the mechanics of it. I don't necessarily agree with all of it, but I do understand the mechanics of it. Right. Sunday school is not the same school classroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. And so having a class in church, you know, a Bible study class, having a group that are meeting in church is very different than a public school classroom. Mm -hmm. And so you really don't have to have all of those things that the cleaner the walls can be, the clearer the walls can be. Mm -hmm. Um, It really will make your fire inspections go much better if you don't have a lot of things on the wall anyway. It really makes the fire department happier yes. if you don't have those things. But it also will make a cleaner environment for the kids to be able to focus on what you want them to focus on for that yes. particular class time. Yes. And so they see the activities, they see what you're doing, and they're not distracted by a million things on the wall. Because yes. I promise you, even if you have those things up, eventually they're no longer processed. So the right. kids no longer really notice them. Yes. You know, yes. And, it, and it just becomes, um, it's like this visual background noise. Yeah. It is. And it's, and it's a visual, it's, it's a, it's one of these that will be distracting. Like it will cause mm-hmm. a, a nervousness and a frustration that the kids don't even understand. Mm-hmm. It just comes from the clutter. It just, it brings mm-hmm. about this automatic buzz feeling of too much overload. And so we have to really be cautious about that. So that makes a big difference. And so you also had another point that I thought was really interesting about your position in the classroom. Yes, yes. This is one of those things that once I saw it, I could never unsee it. And it's just always teaching with ideally like with your essentially with your back in the corner Mm -hmm. to where you are visually the most interesting thing the kids have to look at. So they are going to want to look at you. They're not going to want to look out the window or look out the door and teaching to where you are always seeing the door. Um, You know, whenever I, if I, you know, as a children's minister come into a classroom and the kids see me first, the teacher doesn't even know I'm in there. You know, they're trying to nudge the teacher to, you know, point that, that someone is in the room. I mean, that's a safety hazard. That's a safety and security thing, right. as well as the, the practical element of, you know, if you back yourself into that corner where you are the most interesting thing to look at, you can see right. the door, it's safe, it's secure. The kids mm-hmm. are going to be more attuned to you than anything going on in the hallway or out a window. So right. 
Right. Well, and I would always have this wonderful situation happen where grandparents or parents would want to peek in windows just because they happen to be maybe teaching in another class. And they just thought, well, while I'm here, I'm going to just kind of peek in and see how the kids are doing. And if a parent or a grandparent is seen, then you lose that child. And so if they are watching through those windows and those doors, or if they see, you know, folks starting to leave because mm-hmm. service is over, then they start getting anxious because they're waiting for their person to come. Mm-hmm. So it's that sense of like really making sure that they are not looking at the door as much as possible <laughs> so that right. you can kind of keep their focus on where their focus yes. needs to be. And yes. so that's huge. And it helps you too, to, to like mm-hmm. you said, when parents do start picking up, you see people at the door, mm-hmm. you can tell what's happening. It just gives you that Mm-hmm. that sense of protection. And so yes, that's, that's absolutely. Really well, and another thing that we wanted to make sure that we mentioned is that children learn through action. They learn through activities. And so having games that teach mm-hmm. are huge. And we'd already mentioned a little bit about having like the popsicle sticks with the books of the Bible mm-hmm. and coming up with games there or using note cards and games or balls and games. And so having games that can teach and review your activities are huge. I've Mm -hmm. talked before about how in our, one of our classes, when we were working on our doctorate, we had somebody come in and they talked about the chemistry in our brains that help Mm -hmm. us to learn and understand. And there's actually a chemical in our brains that's released during motion that helps with retention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so basically what that tells us is that God created us to learn while we move. Yes. And so we want to make sure that we're not sitting and teaching a stagnant lesson for 30 mm-hmm. minutes because yeah. we've already talked about, we've talked attention about those, those attention yeah. spans and how long they can really pay attention, but games can really make a huge difference in how mm-hmm. the kids are learning and how they understand. Yeah. If you have a moment where you feel like you're needing to redirect or you're needing to get them to move a little bit. If you have a game that you love, even if it's like seven up or silent ball, <laughs> or I'm trying to think of like, you know, some of those four corners, four corners. I love four corners. Simon says, you know, yeah, any of those yeah. kind of games, even if they don't teach, mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah. Sometimes it's just nice to have that moment where they're up, they're moving around a little bit, mm-hmm. then it gives you the opportunity to redirect them and get them focused mm-hmm. on your next activity. But don't worry if it doesn't necessarily teach a lesson for that five minutes that you're playing the simple game to sort of transition. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. You yeah. know, some days, some days we are just excited that, that, that the day has gone well and no one is hurt <laughs> and no blood yes. is spilled and we should celebrate that yes. and be okay with that. We don't want that yeah. to be our goal. Right, right. We're but hoping those days that we're happen. teaching. Yeah. But those days do happen. Yeah. And so if you have to kind of figure out some games mm-hmm. just to have in your back pocket, Mm-hmm. that don't have anything to do with the lesson for that day. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, having yeah. a successful classroom means that you have kids that love coming to church and yeah. they love learning the word of God and they love hearing about Jesus and they are shown love and compassion mm-hmm. and they're shown acceptance. Yeah. That's what a successful classroom is really don't, for. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. You know, take a deep breath. You know, re regroup and it's going to, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be good. (laughs) Dr. Virginia, can you think of anything else we might've missed? I know. I think, I think we've done a pretty good job. 
We'll probably think of something in the middle of the night and be like, oh, why didn't we say that? But always. <laughs> it just <laughs> happened. I was like, oh, no, I wish I could have said this. Yes. No, I'm sure that, that we'll talk about um, suggestions and ideas for successful classroom experiences a lot more. We hope that you have enjoyed our time together. We were definitely excited to be able to just chat and to share it with you. So we will talk to you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>